Hey everybody, welcome back to Wicked Garden Podcast. I'm your host Mike, and on today's show, Witness G is joining me, and uh, we're going to do a little bit of uh, random paranormal news uh, to get caught up um, between shows. So uh, I've got some stuff that I did, went out and uh, did a couple ghost hunts at a couple locations. So I've got some EVPs I'm going to play. We're going to talk a little Bigfoot. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of a UFO. We're going to talk a little bit of Lake Monster. So uh, before we get started uh, on that, uh, I'm going to bring Witness G in. How you doing, buddy? Hey, everybody. How you doing? So, uh, I'll get started first. Um, so what we did is a buddy of mine and myself, we went out, did a, uh, little trip. Uh, we went to Fort Mifflin. Uh, we had planned on going to Brandywine Battlefield. We wanted to go to Penhurst Asylum and then we wanted to wind up on McElwee Road. We had a day off. We figured we'd go out and do all this other good stuff. So this is in the daylight. We're doing this. Um, so the first place we wound up at was Fort Mifflin. Uh, and I've got a few EVPs from there. Uh, Brandywine Battlefield wind up being closed. And this is a little note for everybody. Uh, you know, it's in the pandemic, uh, maybe a little planning ahead of time and calling people and seeing if they're open might save you some gas money. I found out the hard way. And uh, Penhurst, <laughs> Penhurst, my buddy had never saw Penhurst. Uh, Penhurst is really cool. Um, and my buddy had never seen it, so we wanted to go take a ride over. Uh, and nowadays at Penhurst, gee, you can't even get to the front of the building anymore. Um, it sits in a little town, and basically this little town was created just to, you know, keep the the asylum going. And as it closed over the years, it kind of drugged the town down. Now, it's made a little bit of a comeback because it's a bedroom community for Philadelphia. But... Um, you used to be able to just drive right past this place. Uh, matter of fact, Trace yeah. and I went one time and we went, we saw the power plant. We came in through the back of the property. And I think I told you, I actually got stuck there and didn't realize that there's a national guard, um, depot right next door. So yeah. we actually, yeah, we actually got stuck behind the guard shack and I had to go out with my tail between my legs. And the guy's like, what are you doing here? Uh, and I was like, well, he came to see the asylum and he started laughing and just let us go. But nowadays you can't even get close to it. Or at least I thought after I got home that night and I checked it out, there's actually a history tour, uh, three days out of the week that you can go and take. <laughs> and they actually do public ghost hunts. Um, and they also uh, have, looking. yeah. And they also have a haunted house there during, you know, like September and October of every year. So. Man, it must have just started that because it used to have to just sneak in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but once again, poor planning on my part, right? But this was like something that just came up. He had a day off. I had a day off. So we didn't get to do those two places. I don't know why Brandy One Battlefield was closed. It's supposed to be extremely haunted, but there just wasn't any way to get in there. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we were being watched the whole time. The parking lots are shut off. You can't even park, uh, and it's impossible to park out on the road. You know, but it's an open battlefield. Why is it closed for COVID? Makes no sense to me. You know, so we yeah, went. That's bizarre. Yeah, so we wound up basically doing Fort Mifflin uh, again, and we also went out the McElwee Road. So when we went to Fort Mifflin, we got there at about ten o'clock in the morning. Um, so this whole day was just gas money and the fifteen dollars you give to Fort Mifflin to go visit. So it's not bad. You know, it is possible to ghost hunt and do it in a cheap fashion, right? Um, but 
we got there at about 10 a.m. and we were the only people there. Um, we were the only car in the parking lot that wasn't the three people that were working there. There were a couple guys running around on the grounds, um, you know, just basically there just for security, make sure everybody had their, you know, little wristbands they get, um, you know, and their lady who actually runs it, uh, Beth, her name is, she was in the office and I got to meet her. Um, and we talked a little bit about the episode we did and she was real happy about it. Cool, cool. Yeah. So, uh, but basically, you walk free around this place. You can do pretty much anything you want. You can go into any little cubby holes you want to go into. Um, I noticed that we had more access when we paid <laughs> because, like, the general quarters was locked and the officer's quarter was was locked, but all the casemates were still open. And that's really where we got most of our activity last time. So, first thing we encountered when we walked in, and there was a worker there. And, um, you know, we just were making small talk with the guy and he was telling me, he's like, yeah, he goes, look, you know, I, this place is extremely haunted. He said, and every time I go in those casemates, I get a creepy feeling. Um, he goes, and I actually call out hello before I go in. So what I did was when we went into casemate five, I dropped off a recorder um, and we, we talked a little bit. Uh, and then went out and investigated the rest of it while I let that recorder run. And I actually have him doing what he talked about, doing his little greeting that he does. Um, and he does it, and he actually gets an answer, which I, I'm sure he didn't hear because this is all the way back in the back of the casemate, and it's pretty light and low, but uh, here's that clip. Play it one more time. And just a electronic sound and hello one more time. So he actually gets an answer there. I'm sure that he didn't hear it. And I saw him a little bit later on, so I'm sure he didn't know that that happened. Um, but he says he does that every time he goes in. He says the place... He said, I'm fine out in the open, out in the middle of the field. He goes, I'm even fine in most of the buildings. He said, those casemates creep me out. So, oh, man. yeah. So that were was, you able to get his contact info or anything? No. Nah, no. Nah, you know what? I didn't think to do it. We were if, just, you, if, you, if he hears that, man, it's going to bug him out. <laughs> yeah. I might send it to Beth. I know Beth would forward it to him. But, yeah. They oh, might, awesome. You know what? They might lose a volunteer, though. I might not want to do that. <laughs> because <laughs> i don't i'm not positive he was getting paid he just seemed like a nice older guy and um but he, he gotcha. <laughs> he's really really wigged out about the place so we're walking along and we ran into the other worker and this dude was an interesting cat he was a younger guy and he was definitely a volunteer and um he was all about this actually pretty he was all about mosquitoes dude all right so Josh, yeah, John and I are at the back, and we're we're doing um, sound recording back at the uh, what they call the shed, right? And it's this big open air shed. It's got a couple cannons rolled back into it. The lawnmowers there, and all this other good stuff. And this guy comes up to us and goes, first thing out of his mouth, we're back there, right? And I'm thinking he's going to because I was kind of behind and over behind the barrier a little bit, so I was thinking he was going to give me a rash of shit about being behind the barrier. And the first thing out of his mouth is, do you guys like mosquitoes? <laughs> <laughs> right? 
Wow. So who likes mosquitoes, right? It's like this 28-year-old guy, right? So I'm just looking at him, and I'm like, wow. You know, is he part of the entertainment here? So we got hooked up with this dude for like 15 minutes, and he took us around all the casemates, and he showed us the mosquitoes that were in the casemates. So here's the deal. <laughs> I didn't know this. Um, people, you know, mosquitoes just don't die off every year. You would think they would, right? This is an interesting little fact. So what they do is they, they go into caves. Uh, they'll go underground. They'll go into the sewer system in cities. And for Fort Mifflin, what they do is they go inside the casemates because it stays at a constant like 56 to 58 degrees, and they live on the walls. So that's what they'll do. Yeah. And they're able to sort yeah, of. Con- yeah. That's why they don't die off. Now, I never gave it that much thought. My man was into mosquitoes. He knew everything there was to know about, right? <laughs> so we kind of got sidetracked with that dude for about 15 minutes. And it was hard to get, it was actually hard to shake him. So it was pretty funny. And then the two of us got done and we looked at each other like, what the hell was that all about? <laughs> you know? So we didn't have any personal experiences. Um, but when I did the review, there are, uh, probably about 20, um, EVPs from the 45 minutes that that recorder was in case made five. I'm only going to play, uh, the two best. Well, actually it's three. So I'm going to play the three best that, uh, I was able to pull. Um, and this first one really kind of wigs me out for a personal reason, but here, this one I'm going to call, this is uh, Fort Mifflin Michael, and basically this thing just calls out my name, um, which is really creepy. Now, there are two things going on in this EVP. In the beginning, there's another voice uh, that sounds exactly like the voice that we heard uh, on the whisper clip that was from the Fort Mifflin show where Tracy heard the whisper. There's like that that young guy sounding voice and it chimes in here. Mm. And there are two people in this case, mate. It's me and my buddy John. That's it. Just the two of us. So there were three voices. There's four voices in this clip. There's this strange voice at the beginning that you'll hear. And then very clearly you'll hear it call my name, Michael. Or whisper my name, Michael. So here we go. Play it again. And one more time. And what you'll hear is so nothing. And that what that so nothing is that voice that I'm talking about. That's the same voice from the whisper clip. And then the Michael at the end. That's the fourth voice. And it's me and my buddy talking about. Um, some footsteps that we heard. So I'll play it one more time. Yeah. And I did actually, we did actually have a personal experience when we first came in. I forgot about that. Um, we first walked into the room. The both, both of us are facing the back of the room, but he was facing the left hand side and I was facing the right hand side. And we heard some footsteps. It was like four or five footsteps, clear as day, as if just like the night we investigated, as if you were investigating with a team member and they walked up to you. Because, you know, there's okay. a little bit, yeah, there's a little bit of dust and dirt on the floor, right? So we hear this, 
I thought it was him. He thought it was me. And what I do is I, I originally called out on the tape, John's moving. And then, you know, after, after a minute or two, he goes, dude, did you think that was me that was moving? He goes, because I thought it was you. And when we got to talking about it, we realized that we both had heard footsteps <laughs> before. Oh, man. Yeah. And that's the conversation we're having in this clip. We're sitting there and we're trying to work it out. I'm like, so wait a minute. You didn't move at all? And he's like, no. He goes, I actually thought you moved. So I'll play it one more time so everybody can hear it. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff, man. Um, and like I said, this place never disappoints. There's always stuff going on. This second one here, um, this is after we leave. And I think at this point, we're probably with Mosquito Man. Um, <laughs> hanging out with that dude. And this is some heavy breathing. This just starts. It sounds like somebody that's laboring to get air. Um, so we know that that casemate was a prison and it was used as, you know, like a hospital and a place for the injured at one time. And that's really what this clip sounds like. Uh, it's just heavy rhythmic breathing. And this is in an empty casemate on my little digital recorder that's down in the corner. I did announce to the room that I was leaving a recorder, but this is probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes after we leave and probably about five to 10 minutes after that guy, you know, is saying hello. Uh, so there is nobody around. And when we left, we were the only car in the parking lot. So there definitely wasn't any other guests around. And here's what that sounds like. So I'll play it again. So it's just a rhythmic, rhythmic, heavy breathing, man. Um, yeah, just random rhythmic, heavy breathing. That's pretty wild, man. Yeah. And this last one, um, it's, it basically says today's Monday. <laughs> um, it sounds a little bit like my voice, but it's not me. And this is also after. Um, there's, it's an empty casemate, nobody around. It's not either one of the workers. It's not the hello guy or mosquito boy. Um, so it basically says today's Monday. And actually, just for the record, it wasn't a Monday. It was a Thursday. So here's what that sounds like. <laughs> And it says two days Monday. I'll play it one more time. So, Fort Mifflin, man, never disappoints. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask you about that too. Uh, mm -hmm. So I've only been there during the day. Uh, did you feel like there was a difference in the atmosphere between being there like out in daylight hours versus like nighttime? I I don't. 
I think it's equally as creepy in those casemates. I think it's all human perception. Yeah, because I mean, I thought it was creepy regardless. Right, right. Yeah, like you get in those casemates, and it's just a heavy, heavy feeling, man. There's a lot of yeah. stuff that went down yeah. in there. I mean, you remember from the Fort Mifflin episode how many female voices we caught in there? And we caught a yeah. woman speaking yeah. French in there? So what were they even doing in there? Right? Yeah, like, I do almost want to go back and listen to some of the other EVPs when I listen to these again and see uh, like how close those voices sound to each other. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. The, the, um, the, the voice that I was talking about in the Michael clip, that yeah, you voice, think that's the whisper voice. That's the same one, man. Because no kidding. When that's I wild. here's the thing, when I first started listening to listening to that the first time around, I thought it was our guide Matt. Okay, so for a really yeah. long time, we listened to that clip, and Tracy kept telling me, "No, Mike, that's Matt." Okay, but then in that clip, Matt talks a little bit later to Marie. You know a part that I didn't play for you guys. And you can clearly tell that it's not his voice. So that, that voice from that clip from the Fort Mifflin show is the same voice that's in that Fort Mifflin Michael clip. No kidding. But you know, when you think about a couple things here, the female voices, like what is the deal with that? Right. We know there wasn't a lot of female stationed there, you know, probably none stationed there. I mean, we know that, you know, officers' wives were there, right? I mean, they were there. So, you know, are these like, I don't know, ladies of the night that these guys had into the fort? And maybe something. I mean, I don't think that'd be too crazy to speculate. Right. You know what I mean? Like, And especially the one that speaks French. I mean, you know, but maybe they were catching, maybe they were doing a little bit pirating on their own as Boats were coming down the river. You know? Could have been. Could I mean, have been. Yeah, because the other thing about that place is that was originally, you know, the one thing about Fort Mifflin, it was originally Mud Island Fort, and it was just a it was a British outpost. So they they actually took it from the British, you know? Uh, so maybe who knows? Who knows what the British did there? But, yeah. uh, and then also, I mean, I – like using like an archaeological perspective, like you have like multi multiple layers of timelines on one spot, you know. Exactly. So it's, it's it could have been from earlier, you know. It could have been for you know from anything after the war. It could be up to like recent times. Exactly. Back to you know, it's the fifties, so, like the nineteen fifties or something. Like who knows? Yeah, it's such a strategic I mean, it's, point it's too. It's pretty interesting. That's why I always try to listen for like. Again, and I don't know, man. I just assume everybody sounds really British in Philadelphia back in the 1700s still, you know? Right. And to, none of these me, do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, and so none of them do. That's what I'm saying. It's, you would, there's no real way we would know, like, what their accent was or, like, their dialect, you know? Right. We caught one, right? We caught that Shave Razor song one. Um, that was yeah, it. Yeah, that was bizarre, man. Yeah. That was yeah, but that one was clearly different than the others as far as like Yeah, it was a co- way it, sounded. it was a cockney exactly. accent. Yeah. I yeah. mean you know, and the other thing is too, this was such a strategic position that yeah, okay, the the, the British had it. 
But obviously before that, the Indians were probably there, you know, because it's just that spot on the river. It's just a really good spot on the river. It was originally an island. So it was a great place to, to, it was a good defensive position. You know, you didn't have to, you could sleep good at night knowing that, you know, somebody wasn't coming, going to come in and raid your camp if you were an Indian, you know, and there was really good fishing, shad fishing before they dammed up the Delaware River. You know, and ruin shad fishing. We got to put these chain dams up, you know, so the fish can't jump the dams. That's why there's no fish in the river anymore. You know, don't get me started on that. They should be taking these chain dams <laughs> out of there. But, you know, th- before before that, that's why, you know, Fishtown was called Fishtown because there was so much shad fishing. Um, that's what they fished. And it was like, it was a, a big food staple, shad. Um, you know, so. Yeah, they ruined I fishing. I didn't know that. Yep, that's what I didn't it know is. That's why it's called fish town. Yeah. Yep, because it is shad. And now there's, you know, you'll still catch shad in the Schuylkill, but, you know, at one time the Indians would have been living off fish. Um, probably in the wintertime, I would think. They would have been living off yeah, for sure. it. Sure. Sure. So you have all those layers. Um, but the place just amazing, amazes me. And I was going to hesitate to say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. The weird thing, too, about the Fort Mifflin-Michael clip, I, I don't have anybody in my life that has ever called me Michael. You know, my dad didn't call me Michael. My sister didn't call me Michael. My my, wa- my wives, girlfriends, none of them called me Michael. None <laughs> of my friends called me Michael. The only person that called me Michael consistently in my entire life was my mom. And she passed away last September. And... How does anything in there know my name, right? Because he, John didn't say my name. Well, I've known John since I was six years old. We're just kind of hanging out, right? I mean, he's not quite, he, I mean, he's not calling me asshole. He's calling me dickhead, right? So, I mean, it was, that's the relationship we had. We've known each other for 48 years. So, you know, who's calling me Michael, right? I mean, yeah. It has to be something that I'm carrying around with me. Well, I mean, you. In, I actually thought about that, and I didn't want to say anything already. But I guess my first question is, how close was the uh, whispering? How close was the location where you got the whispering EVP to where you got the Michael EVP? It's the same spot. Literally within See, that's, three that is, feet. Yeah. See, that's bizarre in itself. And then I immediately thought about it. Because I'd heard that clip before, maybe about a week ago. I think he sent it to me. Right. <laughs> but uh, you would—I don't know if it was on our last uh, Patreon episode or if we did it on an actual episode. But you were talking about uh, some of the experiences you've been having in your house, like the kitchen and all. Yeah. Yep. Did yeah, it sound like that? It. Is that? Did it? It sounded exactly like it. And that's that's what I was hoping we would get into today. <laughs> Because there's a couple things that went on um, that you know about. We've been having a lot of lights, light anomalies. I had some uh, probably over the last two and a half, three months, I've had these light anomalies in the house. Tracy sees them. She doesn't ever see any of this stuff. And she's like, did you see that light? <laughs> you know, and we've actually seen it out in the yard. Um, there was a lot of that going on. And it was right before I lost my dog. And then it seemed... Yeah, well, even was getting the dogs worked up at one point, wasn't it? Yeah. And it seemed to stop 
when my dog passed. I was actually even going to bring it back up to you and say, hey, man, we haven't seen the light. Because, you know, we she works a full-time job. Um, her typical day is 12, 14 hours. You know, so we're only ever sitting together hanging out on a couch on a Friday or Saturday night. We're never together late. You know, it's usually me up late. Um, yeah. And she goes to bed. She's she's nodding out at like 8.30, 9 o'clock because she's working so hard. And we were every night we've we sat there all through like January and February. Every time we would have some kind of light anomaly or it'd be some banging upstairs or something like that. We were having some crazy stuff going on. And I thought maybe it was because we brought it back from Fort Mifflin, you know. Um, and then I was thinking about maybe it's my mom because my mom and I always had like a like a Houdini thing going on with each other because she's the one that got me into all this stuff. And she always said to me, when I get on the other side, I'll try, you know, and, and talk to you. And I said, vice, you know, to her, vice versa, I'll try to do the same thing. And I don't know, maybe it took her a year to figure out how to do that. You know, because she passed yeah. not last September, but the September before. Um, I mean, who's to say even time matters, you know? Right. Like, right. If, if, uh, you know, if she's on the other side trying to communicate with you in to, in her perspective, it might have just happened. Yeah. But, you know, in our timeline, it's been a year, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's no, point. there's no telling. But I know, uh, I don't want to give up too much of your, the stuff we already covered in that one, uh, in that Patreon episode, but you were, if you were having like some super vivid dreams, like immediately followed by waking up to like some real life, uh, like disembodied voices in your house. Right. Yeah. And I was like, this is sleep paralysis. I was thinking to myself. <laughs> yeah. But you were up walking, man. Like you, yeah. you were, weren't yeah. you like walking uh, downstairs through the parlor when it happened? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't sleep paralysis. It, it started, the first couple of things that happened, I thought to myself, all right, it's just sleep or else, just dismiss it. And then I had that one thing happen to me, and I think I texted you about it late at night, and I'm like, hey, man, it's just happened. It's unreal, you know? So, yeah, there's been a lot of stuff going on, you know? It's just bizarre. It, I guess the weirdest thing about it is this EVP, um, even the way the Michael comes out is the same cadence she used to use. Like when she was unhappy with me, like, cause she would be like, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what it sounds like, man. It's really bizarre. Um, so I think I'm going to ask Marie about it, you know? Um, yeah, man. Well, I think, I think that definitely asked Marie. Yeah. But also if, if it ever starts happening in your house again, real heavy, you know, I would, I would probably run a recorder, man. Yeah, we were to see if you could get it and we, then you we know, compare it. Yeah, and we were talking about a nest too. We were talking about maybe getting nest cameras um for the grandson anyway. So we may do yeah. that too. Um but yeah, the light flashes were pretty crazy. We were getting them even actually out into the yard. And yeah, then, man, well, I'm, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying I'm I'm glad you were making this connection because I was about to make it on my own, but I was like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> that's too much. The rest of the day we went to Mackle we rode. And, you know, we still don't know what the backstory is to McElwee Road. Uh, and we stopped by, I guess, it was late in the day. It was like 4 o'clock. And we were above Jonesen for, uh, there's a really good pretzel place over in Morristown called uh, Mart Pretzels. It used to be in the Pensacola Mart. 
So uh, we went over to get a pretzel, and I left the recorder there. And we did get one good, pretty good piece of audio. And it's going to be hard to hear. Turn it up as loud as you can or listen to it with headphones. But it is basically uh, some singing behind some birds uh, that doesn't make any sense. And this is on an empty road. Uh, let me pull it over here, and we'll play this for you guys. Here we go. I'll play it one more time. There's a lot of birds in there, but you can actually hear a guy singing in the background on an empty road. One more time, I'll play it. So that was the only other piece from McElwee Road. But, you know, cool little trip. Um, You know, we I like doing this stuff, just ducking out, doing a little bit of audio recording. It's amazing, though, that we got all that stuff during the day. Yeah, now, there's – I didn't get to hear this one that you just played. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was this, like a sing-songy one, right? Did it seem like kids or was nah, it like a – it was an older guy. Um, and the, the legend that we're still checking out, but that most people say is that some guy came home and, um, they had killed his whole family. Indians had killed his whole family. Um, and that, 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 where that tree is, is right where his farm field was. And it almost sounds like somebody who's just, you know, working on the field and it's just, you know, crooning along to pass the time as they work. That's basically what it sounds like. It sounds like a, um, Middle-aged man. Gotcha. Because I know uh, when you did the EVPs from the nighttime investigation over there a while back. Yeah. There there was almost another singing one, but I think it was more like kids. It was children. And he was supposed yeah. to have had two kids. He was supposed to have a uh, young daughter and a young son. So he comes home. The story is he comes home from a trip to Philadelphia to sell his crops. And his wife and the two kids are killed. Uh, I think they actually even burned the bodies and he came home to that. Uh, and then he killed himself. I think he hung himself. So that's the, you know, story from McElwee road before it became a place where, you know, every single house along the road is worth $3 million. I mean, it's a yeah. mansion city there on that road. So yeah, uh, that's, that's the backstory to it. So yeah, the first one definitely sounded like kids playing a game. The last time we played some McElwee Road clips. Yeah, that's cool though, man. It's, it's cool to get out there and get, do like a daytime investigation, multiple spots. Yeah, you know, and you like, let's be honest, ghost hunting is expensive nowadays. You know, uh, you get past all the equipment that they've started to charge for more for, uh, which is hysterical because you get most of the evidence on digital recorders that you can buy on eBay for fifteen bucks, right? That's where you get most yeah. of your. <laughs> yeah, you can buy all the little ghost cams you want and. You know, all the little plot software that you want for those little stick figures that everybody gets so excited about. But the, the majority of your 
evidence is audio evidence. Um, you know, and it, it, when I do this stuff, it just reinforces to me more and more how, how real ghost phenomenon, whatever it is, is, you know, it, yeah. I don't understand why people still question it. <laughs> I, I like, look, we could question UFOs to the, to the cows come home and we should and Bigfoot too. And, Loch Ness Monster, all that good stuff. All that stuff deserves to be questioned, but I just don't understand why people don't readily admit that there's something to ghost activity. We don't know what it is, but there's something to it. Yeah, well, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, just over the years with all these shows on History Channel or whatever, sci-fi, all those ghost hunting shows, like, maybe you can't take every one of those guys serious, you know? But (laughs) I think, honestly, like, if if you were to send like a group of, you know, skeptical scientists out to these locations under the same conditions with the same equipment, they come up with the same shit. Exactly. You know? So, yeah, there's definitely a lot to it, man. Yeah, yeah. I I don't ever see myself stopping. You know. Yeah. No, it's it's just it's fascinating, and I'm sure at the end of the day, it's all going to be science. You know, I'm sure there's going to be something to it that's scientific. Just some uh, something that we don't know about the laws of physics and, you know, what actually goes on. I'm sure, and time, our perception of time. I'm sure all that, it's it's all of that. You know, it's, it's probably, it's supernatural right now, you know, but so were apples falling out of a tree at one time. <laughs> You know, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just something we don't know about. So anyway, that was a little ghost trip. Um, and I got, I don't know if you've noticed, man, have you seen all the lake monster stuff going on lately? Like, for example, well, there seems to be like a serious resurgence all of a sudden. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if it's the pandemic or anything, but you know, so I, I wanted to check into it and you know, a lot I kind of sieved out all the bullshit, right? Um, Because Loch Ness has had like a a record year, and I'm talking like the last 12 months for sightings. Um, And there's a guy by the name of Steve Chalice who just took some pictures. And actually, this is from, I think he came forward with this in November uh, of last year, but he took some pictures that are absolutely phenomenal on the lake. And it's a, he took a picture of what appears to be a 10 foot creature, which is breaking the surface of the water. He's got it clear as day. It's got a speckled back. They know how long it is by, you know, going back to the spot and overlaying the picture. They know that it's at least 10 feet long. And he had had this for a while. So, in other words, he had it in old photos and didn't notice it and then brought it forward. It's definitely not Photoshopped. It's checked out really well. Um, He doesn't think it's the Loch Ness Monster, and that's not what he's saying it is. But there's been about 12 sightings this year in Loch Ness. All right? It started with that sonar hit the big sonar hit that everybody was talking about. But then a couple people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then a couple people came forward. And said that it could just be a problem with the software. So that kind of, you know, knocked it down a peg in my mind. 
Um, there's been a couple videos that look like they maybe were doctored. Um, there's the usual wave breaks from the wind that people don't understand. But this one, this is special, very special here. It's, the guy's name is Steve Chalice. I'll spell it, and I'll put a, a link in the show notes. It's C-H-A-L-L-I-S, and he's of, he's in Southampton in the U.K., and he went up uh, to take a little bit of a, a vacation. And I guess it was three years went by, and he looked back through his photos, and he found this photo. And this photo is amazing, man. Um, it is just probably, you know, everybody's saying it's the best photo ever taken of the mythical beast and it really is it's definitely and the reason it is is because it's not a seal um because there's been a lot of seals that have been photographed and people just don't understand that there are seals in Loch Ness so it's it's one of those things that I would highly recommend you guys reading about I'll put the link in the show notes uh and it is just an amazing amazing picture uh I went I actually was in I went to Loch Ness. We went there on a vacation about maybe seven or eight years ago. And it yeah, is, yeah, it is just a super cool fucking place, man. It's just a great place to go. Um, you drive, it's quite a drive, you know, cause you drive up through the North of England. Uh, you come up through, you go past a, a castle. But one thing I noticed about it when I went in and people don't really, people don't really re- realize this. Up in Inverness, Loch Ness is open to the sea. It's literally open to the sea up in Inverness, right? Um, but down where uh, the town is, the, the town itself, there's not a town called Loch Ness, right? Like you drive up and you get to that kind of area in the highlands where there's a lot of lakes and they kind of string across the continent there and they're all really close to each other. And you come in on a highway there it's just a two-lane highway and to your left is Loch Ness and literally 75 feet to your right is the sea the North Sea you know it's it's an open ocean right to the right of you that's how close they get so I will to see that and sit there and look at that I thought to myself what's to say that there's just not some underground way these things are getting in here yeah yeah, you know yeah. any cave system they could get right in. We know how massive salt caves are, and all that other good stuff. But it's it's a really nice nice uh, area up there. It's a first of all, it's a pretty area. It's a beautiful area. There's great fishing on the lake. A lot of people spend their summers up there uh, when they go on holiday in in Europe. You know, usually Europeans holiday four weeks out of the year. It's like a continuous four weeks they go on vacation. Um, and a lot of them go up to Loch Ness and the actual town itself is called Drummond Rocket. And the castle that sits along the side of the lake is called Ergerhart. And they're both really cool little, t- Drummond Rocket's a great, cool little town, but everything in it is Loch Ness, right? The monster. Yeah. Everything I definitely, is Ness. I've always wanted to go. Yeah. I haven't. It's, it's a, and it's very reasonable too. Um, it's, it's not an expensive trip. We went up and we did it with an RV. Uh, we, yeah, we went over and that, got an uh, RV there. That castle, man, I've always it sticks out because it's in the opening to In Search of from back in the day with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that show. Yeah, and that was before the visitor yeah. center. Now they have a visitor <laughs> center up on top of the mountain, 
that you can actually go to. Yeah, you can actually go to the visitor center and they play a film and they give you the entire history of Ergohart Castle. The Scots were were a force to be reckoned with, man. Um, They took no (laughs) shit, you know, and Ergohart Castle is just an amazing castle. So that I can't emphasize how if anybody's thinking about taking a trip, man, and you got got the coin, go over there and check that place out. Uh, the, the Scottish yeah, Highlands are cool. Anyway. on my bucket list, man. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg either, you know. So, but yeah, there's just been so many sightings this year. It's like a huge uh, resurgence of this stuff, you know. And well, I knew about the sonar ping. I didn't know anything about the photo, so I need to look this up myself. Yeah. As soon as we get off this yeah. call. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, you know, these are just random things I'm bringing up, but yeah, it's it's really cool. But you know what? Too, I saw another article uh, down in Florida. They got this new fish that's kind of invading all the rivers down there, and it's a ten foot long fish. It makes me wonder, you know, is it just is it just pressure from too much overfishing? You know, are these things coming in because they're they're hungry? Is that why this stuff is increasing? Yeah. It really could be. Yep. Or they could have just been introduced from somewhere else. Like, uh, I know in Jersey, uh, those snakeheads, man. Yeah. It seems like they're getting bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, actually, they're down. The they, first place they were was down. Somebody actually put them in uh, down near the stadiums in Philly. They put them in Roosevelt Park. They were down there for a uh, while yeah. in those lakes. Yeah. And those lakes are crazy. Um. So, yeah, they were down there for a while, you know. So yeah, that's what's going on with lake monsters. Uh, it's really heating up, man. A lot of lot of lake monster stuff going on. So also in Bigfoot news, um, there is a. Did you see this story about the thumb bone out of Florida? No. Speaking of Florida, <laughs> Florida. No, that man. one I'm not tracking. I thought I was up on Bigfoot. Yeah, no, this is pretty cool. Um, so the guy finds. Uh, first of all, how he found a fossil in florida to begin with is interesting but he's his name is connor flynn Uh, he's a bigfoot researcher and author and he claims to have found a giant humanoid thumb bone fossil uh he says it's compelling evidence that the legend of sasquatch is true um and he found it down in florida in a creek and it's there's a picture of it here. It's a pretty amazing. It's obviously a thumb bone. Um, pretty easy to see how huge it is. So it's an interesting little fossil. And there, you know he's getting it sent out to get tested, see if there's any DNA matches that they can do or anything like that. There we go. I love pop ups. So he's getting it tested, um, and he says it's legit. So it should be interesting to see what happens with this. Um, you know, I've been down on Bigfoot lately. <laughs> but this is an interesting, this has actually got some meat on the bone to it, man. We should see how this goes. Now, there's a couple of people that are saying, oh, it's a bear toe. You know, it's a pig bone. That kind of stuff. But, you know, this has got some legs to it, I think. I really do. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up was uh, Southeast Oklahoma. There is now a $2 million bounty 
that you can collect for capturing Bigfoot alive. But he's got to be, now here's the thing. <laughs> and this is actually a state legislator. Uh, what is this? O- Oklahoma State Representative Justin Humphrey. He's a Republican, just in case anybody was still wondering. <laughs> and he's got a $2 million bounty um, for the capture of Bigfoot unharmed. So you can't drag a carcass in there, Jay. You're not going to get your two mil. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't know what you get. I think you would get more than two mil if you drag the carcass in. But if you drag, right. So like, if, let's think about this for a minute. If you drag a carcass in, what, what, you're going to make countless, countless dollars off that, right? Wouldn't you agree? An actual yeah, real big. All right. And these yeah. guys, the genius <laughs> Republicans down in the South East Oklahoma are uh, giving you $2 million if you can manage to uh, subdue the Bigfoot, bring it in. And then I guess they ask him if he's harmed. And if he's not harmed, they give you the $2 million. I don't know about you, but I'm shooting. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's honestly, it's a huge debate in the community, like whether you should shoot it or not, or if it's, right, you know, if it's murder or what. I'm telling you right now, man, I think out of probably... The last thing I'm going to be thinking about is, you know, science and ethics. If I'm in the woods <laughs> by myself and I come across a Bigfoot, I'm probably going to be super scared. Exactly. Uh, I'm shooting, man. I'm yeah. shooting. <laughs> exactly. So the, the Maybe re- I just kneecap them and try to, like, rehab them <laughs> to help, you know what I mean? Dude, Bring them back live. Well, Joe Biden says, <laughs> shoot, just shoot him in the leg. That's what the cops should do, right? Isn't that what Biden says? He should just shoot him in the leg and not know <laughs> Shoot to kill. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more common sense, right? But um this guy, he did all this. He started out, it was just going to be a twenty five thousand uh, dollar you know, bounty. And now it's grown to two million. But here's here's what the guy was basically trying to do. Um, you know, southeast Oklahoma is the Bigfoot hotbed. I mean, that's basically where I think most of the sites nowadays come from, right? And like you it's that in Pennsylvania and you wouldn't know that. I didn't know that. Right. You wouldn't know it off the top of your head. So what this guy wanted to do was Southeast Oklahoma, you know, people aren't falling over each other to get there. Like they are Loch Ness. So he wanted to bring that to the forefront by doing this little campaign and get some tourism in the area. So what they did agree to do that. And now they shot down his original um, offer for the $25,000 you know, uh, statewide Bigfoot hunt that they were going to hold over a series of days. That's basically what he was trying to do. Um, but they are going to do, uh, they agreed to do like a couple days of a, what they call a Sasquatch quest. So and what they're trying to do here is they're trying to take the guns out of it, right? So I guess that was what, the, what happened. They must have been sitting there going, we can't have all these people out running around shooting each other in the woods. So now, you know, it's uh it's a Sasquatch quest, right? So everybody's supposed to go out there at a, at a coordinated time. But you know what? It's he's trying to get some tourism into the area and I get it. And it, it seems to have worked yeah. because the tourism has been crazy off the charts since then. And they're gonna make this an an official thing. So there's a couple things here that are cool about it that I thought and why I brought it to the table today. Number one, like I said, I've 
went out with Bigfoot hunters. I've been out there. There's no chance of anybody if trying to if this thing exists catching it unless it's sick. You know, if it's delirious, you know, something like that. Maybe um, if it maybe just is too curious about you, maybe. But there's just humans just don't cover enough ground. They go out on a hunt at night looking for this thing, and they go two, three miles into the woods. You know, I mean, these things, yeah. they're just too fast and too, you know, they're they are too good, too stealthy in the woods if they do exist, obviously. So if this was going to get done and anybody had a chance of doing it, it would have to be sort of kind of like a crowdsource thing like that. Like you would have to take a gigantic area and say, hey, we're inviting in, you know, thousands of groups and we all want you guys out hunting at the same time, you know, and then maybe you could move the needle. So from that perspective, it's kind of a good idea, you know, uh, although he was going for tourism, I think is if this is ever done, it's going to be a crowdsource type thing or like a fleet of drones, you know, or yeah, something like I mean, that. It's well, going honestly, to get it, done. it seems like it, it's, it's a good idea. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. All the way around. It was a good idea to build up business, which it's done. Uh, it's, it's good for the Bigfoot field. Yeah. I mean, you, you know. You can't blame this guy. Uh, taking the guns out of it was even a better thing, because um, I could just see. If he, I could see, yeah, fifteen people were killed in Southeast Oklahoma at the Bigfoot uh, hunt. You know what I mean? They were. You yeah, know, well, yeah. Did Bigfoot kill them? No, no. They just shot each other. You could easily see that going on, right? Oh, the man. forest full of beer cans. So there's that. But you know, the other thing too is. Paratourism, man, is huge. It's getting big. It well, that's what I was going to bring up, man. It's, I mean, just think of how many, how many people go on vacations or trips, even if it's like a day trip or if they're legend tripping, right? Specifically for cryptids or paranormal, like I'd wager that most of the tourism to Point Pleasant is over Mothman, you know, exactly. Not just the, you know, how awesome the restaurants are there, right? <laughs> right. So I mean, I, it's it's been a thing, and hoaxes have who has been the best to, uh, who has the yeah. best greasy cheeseburger in uh, Point Pleasant. Exactly, <laughs> man. And I think I think when you look at like uh, historic cryptid sites, especially when it's been when they've been proven hoaxes, like mostly it's, it's for tourism, man. Sure, it's little newspapers trying to generate some uh, interest, and almost like the like just old school viral marketing, man. And it works. It really has. It's worked fantastic. Um, you know, and it's just becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Um, I guess as people, you know, start to look for more and more thrills, you know, the usual amusement park and, uh, you know, laying on the beach for a week, isn't doing it. People are going out and they're trying to investigate this stuff for themselves. There's so much programming on TV that they're watching and wondering about this stuff. People are even starting to visit like murder sites. You know, there's a lot of that tourism going on. I think there's that show on Netflix, the dark tourist, you know, I mean, that stuff, oh, it's yeah, off yeah. the, off the charts. I, you know, I, I've said to her for probably the last two years that I would love to pick up a haunted property because, you know, I would, I would just, Airbnb it constantly and do and do this type of stuff. 
You know, I would just Airbnb. Yeah. I think you can make a fortune. You know, Lizzie Borden house was just for sale and it got snapped right up. And I think it was for sale about 10 years ago before the last people bought it, or it was maybe a few years ago, they had decided that they were going to sell it. And it was in, you know, it was, it was expensive, but it was, you know, maybe like four or $500,000. I think they just sold the Lizzie Borden house for millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, because of paratourism. Paratourism is just off the charts, and it's just going to keep going, man. It, it really is. So this is a brilliant idea by this guy. Great way to bring in, uh, reestablish some of these these towns that are hurting. Yeah, especially during, you know, the pandemic. <laughs> right, right. No, it's a great idea. It really is. So, so that's it for me, man. I just wanted to put that out there and, uh, you know, I guess we'll throw it over to you. All right. Well, as far as news, I was just going to talk about uh, mainly some aerial phenomenon. Yeah, there's a lot. I of guess uh, yes, yeah, a few things been going on lately. I guess uh, since our last show, I texted you a lot of TikToks. Yeah. On yeah. back on uh March 25th, mm-hmm. because March 24th there was a. The Falcon 9 debris fell back to Earth. Yeah. And people were had no idea what they were looking at uh, all over the Northwest. There, There's dozens and dozens of people getting this amazing footage of this debris falling back to Earth, and it looked crazy. It looked like special effects. It didn't even look real to me. It, did, it, it was, was pretty, very... Pretty awesome, man. It was out there. It was like, wow, you know... The first thing you thought to yourself was special effects. Yeah, I thought it was like one of the one of those filters or whatever people right. use, and maybe it was just trending. But no, it was a real uh, it was a real event, and it had a lot of people shook, because they didn't know what it was till the next morning. Uh, but it was definitely the Falcon Nine, and I just think first of all, it was it's awesome that you have these platforms like TikTok and all for that, because if if you have a mass sighting. If TikTok was a thing back during the Phoenix lights, we'd have a lot more footage of yeah. it. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, you're right, man. That would have been great. Yeah, and we got you know quite a bit of footage of it anyway. But now, just the you know cameras, everybody has one in their pocket basically now. Uh, these TikToks, man, were going crazy on the uh, 24th, the night of the 24th, when all this stuff was visible. Literally, at least 50 videos of it, and they were all good videos, man. Like even uh when people were shaking, like you could easily see what they were looking at, and it was it was it came out really good on the camera, and I just to me that was something I've been thinking about because if if we do have another mass sighting, and you can get people, especially these kids with their TikToks and all the corroborate the evidence, man, and everything's taken like with location, so you can triangulate data. And figure yeah. out exactly where the hell shit is. You know, it's it's basically it's it's a tool that not a lot of people are using. Yeah. So if if we do have a mass sighting pop off somewhere in the future, and people are able to get it on TikToks like this, you could use all that data from from their uh, phones to get a really good idea of whatever they're looking at. This one was explainable. Obviously, it was the Falcon Nine debris just looked bizarre, which it did. I highly recommend. Uh, just checking out a video of it. If you just type in uh, Falcon 9 debris falling, probably Oregon 
had the most uh, yeah, videos I'll, of it. I'll put up a couple in the in the show notes. Yeah, but that just gives me hope that you know if there is a mass sighting, we'll be able to figure out something. Well, so it's, it's just. A, let me ask you a question. Um, I guess we test our tinfoil hat, uh, you know, proclivities here. You know, are are you concerned about that at all? That maybe we could be getting set up with something like TikTok, you know, to have some kind of fake event? Or am I the only idiot that thinks about that? <laughs> no. Uh, honestly, that's... That's exactly the kind of stuff I do think about. <laughs> yeah, right. Like if the, if we, we get on this and there, there's actually a real one, you know, there's no telling what they can do with do to us with special effects. It's it definitely, it is a good thing. I agree. If it's used the right way, and it also worries me. Um, yeah, you know, a little bit that we could be so and easily honestly, set up. When I when I started seeing these videos, somebody actually sent me one first, and then I was like, oh shit, what is that? And I started going through the feed and they were just popping up like almost every other video was one of these, right? you know, what are we looking at? What the hell is that? And, uh, man, just within the first few, uh, like my skeptic brain was already rolling full force, Yeah, you know? So like, I know something natural is obviously this wasn't fake. This was a real event, but, uh, you know, in the future, if they, if they are to catch something that's unexplainable, um, that there's no explanation for, you know, after the fact, and there's a lot of people catching it, uh, I would be, I would still be inclined to be skeptical about that just because it could be exploited, man. It's, it's, yeah, if, it really could be used as a weapon. Look how easily, yeah. I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not arguing COVID. It's real, it's deadly to the right group, but think about how easily, you know, we all gave up so many freedoms. And stay muzzled, you know, and a lot of people wind up spending their retirements on getting through the last year and a half and how, how easily that happened. You know, if something was to come out and, and, you know, if anybody questions it, you're, you're shouted down, you know, like, uh, you're, oh, you're, you know, they put you in a box real quick. Oh, you're a denier. You're this, you're that. No, maybe I'm just, you know, asking for facts, you know, and yeah. you worry about that with something like that TikTok file. I, now, Truth be known, I'm addicted to TikTok. I love it. <laughs> I have my people that I follow, and I love it, man. You know, it's probably the only social media I'm on nowadays. You know, um, yeah, that's literally all I have too. Yeah, and it's yeah, so I love it. But yeah, it, it does make you wonder, you know, how 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 it, you could definitely see the path where it could be used for evil. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I'm not sure if you've uh. Well, first of all, TikTok works on an algorithm, so it it knows the content in the videos that you watch and right. how many times you watch them, and it starts building its algorithm about how around like how much and what type of videos you're watching over and over, and which ones you like, which ones you skip. Right. It basically changes the way that information is given to you from that point on. Right. So. Further isolating you from your fellow human. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and, and I know for mine, for example, I, I remember it started. It was just tons of content. And I didn't really know what I was looking at. And I guess I'm kind of ashamed to say it, but over time, it just, it started 
getting smarter and it knew what I liked. Because again, I'm I'm not really a social media person. This is literally the only social media I have. Right. And uh, once I figured out that it's you know going off of what I like, basically, that uh, what I did was I started just searching for paranormal stuff. So now, that's what I'm getting in my feed now. So the, the more things you look at related to the paranormal or science, that that stuff slowly starts entering your feed. Right. So I'm trying to. I, what I need to do is just uninstall this thing and put it back on and start fresh. Yeah, yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with women and cats, but uh, you know, <laughs> I just think that there's a <laughs> there's a lot of cool paranormal stuff on there, and I'm sure 95 percent of it is hoaxes. Um, just people setting up a you know pretty ingenious hoaxes just to get views, and it's a it's a game for some of these content creators to get as many followers as possible. And sure. Sometimes make a narrative. You got this, you know, this one guy, he's saying basically his pantry's haunted. He's got probably about 50 videos of it. Oh, the guy in California more and more, with the haunted pantry. Yeah. 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 He just gets more and more viewers and it's, it's becoming almost like a story. He's, he's doing it in chapters now, but it's, it's man, all of this is a guy pulling his pantry door open with some thread. Yeah. He's got That's like, all it uh, is, man. Yeah. He's got magnetic, um, latches and stuff like that yeah i've seen it it's um you know it's it's ingenious though because it gets people hooked you know it yeah, does but just uh i think some of my favorite ones on there are in a lot of these could be hoaxes too or faked but um they just seem more legit to me and it's people uploading the images from their uh or uploading video from their ring that uh the door camera oh, okay yeah Man, there's some bizarre ring footage out there, man. Yeah, there really <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. Well, we're getting close on this um, this government revelation about the UFOs, right? We're getting we're getting close on that. Uh, that's coming up, I think. What is it? June? They're supposed to. Yeah, come out June first is. Uh, I think that's the unofficial date. It's June first. Well, it was. I think the 27th of December is when. Yeah. It was actually passed. Right. And that gave uh, the intelligence agencies, I believe, 180 days to compile their information. Right. So it should be right at, right at June 1st. June 26th, yeah, it would be. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's getting closer and closer. And I think the one guy that was in the Trump administration, I can't remember his name, but he's saying it's going to be a pretty wild report. Um. Oh, yeah, the intelligence guy? Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, John Ratcliffe. Yeah, Ratcliffe. That's it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's all yeah, he over the, the news. Uh, the former director of national intelligence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, I don't know. We'll we've see. been talking about it pretty much since it was announced, but it's it's pretty much wrapped up inside of a COVID bill that was passed last year. Yeah, with the last administration, and uh. <sighs> I think it's going to be huge news. I, that's another. This is another thing we talked about, I believe, on our last Patreon episode. But it's the uh, Mammoth Appropriations Bill is what was actually passed. But it's the the act is called the Intelligence Authorization Act, and basically all intelligence agencies, uh, Pentagon, each branch, they all have to disclose everything they know about UAT. So, I for one think it's going to be heavily redacted. So do I. Um, there's, it's going to be two versions of it. It's not supposed to be, though, be, right? 
I mean, that um, was that was kind of the point, right? It was it was not supposed to be. Um, yeah, it's it's not supposed to be, but I think right. there's probably certain things. I think it's probably going to have to go through an approval process, and I'm sure things will be redacted. Uh, you know, as far as national security goes, because they can't. Yeah, they I, can't release everything. I got to say, I'm proud of UFO Twitter not getting overly excited about it. Um, usually, you know, right about now they would just be edging themselves till June 26th on this whole thing. But I got to say, they've been pretty, pretty realistic with it. Uh, cause I think, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine it not being another Lucy Charlie Brown moment, right? With the football. Yeah. You think you're getting some kind of big disclosure and this happens again, you know, where they kind of just give you enough to keep you interested. Um, yeah, well. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's going to be that to an extent because I think a lot of, like, maybe some of the more extreme people in the UFO community are probably, you know, just really thinking disclosure is coming with this report. And I think that's the furthest thing from what's going to happen. I think it's just going to be a, a compilation of cases from each of those intelligence branches and the military with uh, – with with some information, probably a lot of stuff that we haven't seen before, but nothing that's going to blow our minds or say that aliens are here, you know? No, because, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I don't think they, if they knew anything, they wouldn't tell us um, because they'd be up to no good if they are actually, you know, in communication with aliens or whatever, you know, who knows? Who knows what kind of deal could be set up? But, you know, this requires the government to basically admit the, suck at doing their jobs. That's the fundamental problem with getting the government to report on this subject. You know, because at yeah. the end of the day, they have to say, well, we really don't know. And, you know, we're giving them trillions, billions, zillions of dollars to defend us. And they spend our money in all kinds of different ways. I don't need to tell you. Um, so, you know, you're, they basically got to come hat in hand and say, yeah, you know, we're supposed to have some stuff in this report, but you know, we really don't, we really don't know what it is. They got it. The problem with this is they have to admit they're, they're the fall guys. And it's no matter what goes on. They have to admit that they're not very good at their job. Yeah. And cause let's just be honest, man, no matter what they put out, they're not going to be shown all their cards. No. And there's going to be a lot of speculation over why, why was this redacted? Well, they must have more, um, you know, if and who knows how the, it's going to come out? Is it going to be all text, or is it going to be? Is there going to be any photos and videos, media that's going to like accompany it? Like, I don't know. But the thing is, it's super. There's too much information to compile in 180 days. I don't care what branch you are. Yeah, they're already what intelligence agency. It's too much to to sort out and comb. And we're talking about files and files. Yeah, they're already um, saying that it's not enough time. Yep. Yeah, so, again, it's supposed to be released in June. Who knows if that's even going to happen? They may ask for an extension, but uh, it's going to be obvious that they're not going to have time to release everything they have. And a lot of people are going to wonder why. If the, And if, I honestly, I'm on the same page as you, man. It, it's just a lot of that stuff is probably embarrassing. Like, like why? Why don't you know, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it. you know, it, 
It's just a catch twenty two for the government. That let me ask you a question. You know, we let's just assume for a minute they do know what's going on and they're not telling us. What do you think it would take for us to get that information? Is it gonna be somebody at a high level, um you know, in some kind of a decision position to come forward and have a you know, a reckoning in their head and come forward and say, look, this is what's going on and I'm really worried about it. Is it going to take some kind of high-level defection from, you know, the group of people in the know? Um, is that what you think? And then also, if there is something that happens that goes along, let's say somebody from the CIA crawls out of a basement and says, hey, I've worked for the CIA for 25 years and I've compiled all this information and, you know, here's what I know. You know, there's three different types of aliens, and these went from this galaxy. And I, wouldn't that person just at the same time get shouted down as a a fraud and a moron? They'd make his records disappear. I mean, that's yeah. that's the ultimate yeah. problem, right? Yeah, I, I honestly, I think it's it would take probably some uh, a group of them. Yeah, not just one. There can't be. It can't be like a one guy Snowden effect. Yeah, it can't just be like one whistleblower or one leaker. It's got to be a group, man. And then, like I know, every now and then we get these deathbed confessions and stuff like that. But it's going to take like a coordinated. The thing is with this stuff is there's never evidence put forward with it. You know, right? And very rarely. This is this is what makes this whole thing pretty much a big deal. And, you know, you and me were kind of hype about this. Like, I wasn't as successful as Twitter <laughs> between you and me keeping it keeping it down. I've actually been pretty excited. But at yeah. the same time, super skeptical about what we're going to see. Well, it is exciting. Uh, you know. But, yeah, the thing is, is that this is what makes this huge is it, it, regardless whether it's all the evidence or just selected, carefully selected evidence – the thing is, we're getting a compilation of evidence here, so I, I think it's it's going to be hard to talk about until we actually get that thing, until we read it. And uh, I expect, even though they're saying June, um, I think it's going to go a little bit further because you know the Senate committee they have to review it. Um, right. Then it'll go through its redaction, and then we'll get some third hand, you know, uh, unclassified version of it. Okay, so, so let's make another assumption, okay? Let's just say that there is something going on and that the government knows about it, right? And that would mean that most likely they're in communication with the phenomenon, right, and at some level, right? And really, ultimately, isn't it going to be the only way we're ever going to know is if, number one, a whole group defects and somehow they smuggle out enough evidence that it's irrefutable, or the other side lets us know. The other side discloses itself, right? The other side lands yeah, on the White House. That would be White the House only lawn. undeniable. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Right. That would be the only true, like, undeniable way, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really the only way this is going to get done. And that would be full. That would be the full disclosure, which I have no idea is going to happen in my lifetime. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, there, I, I, there, I, there would have to be there would have to be some overwhelming reason for us to know 
you know, like, let's say there's some comet hurtling towards Earth and we don't know about it and they do, you know, and they can, and this is going way out on a limb, right? But maybe they can communicate with this other beings or force or whatever we want to call it and maybe get that thing, you know, to move or get it adjusted, you know, or whatever, so that it doesn't cause some kind of catastrophe. That would probably be the only way we would ever hear from our government. Yeah. And that would even be if some scientists happen to say, hey, by the way, there's a comet hurtling towards the earth. Does anybody ask the, gov- you know, world governments what they're going to do about it? <laughs> you know, so I, I think most likely it's going to come uh, – I think the disclosure will come if there is a disclosure to come. It'll come from the other side. Yeah, or a group. And again, this whole thing was was set up because you know, not because they're trying to release information on extraterrestrial life. To them, it's it's just, they're only looking at it as is a threat to national security, and right. they're trying to just figure out what the hell's going on because it's obvious there's lots of sightings and. For the most part, these are all going to be – this is going to be like reports from pilots and controllers and other military officials. It's, it's not going to be like, you know, uh, you know, your Uncle Sal was hanging out on his you know, back deck looking up and seeing something. It's not going to be okay. reports like that. These right. are going to be like official, official reports, you know, from, from what they've described anyway. And what's to stop so them from saying, okay, here's the report. Do we know of any UAP phenomenon? No. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, they really could know. say that, right? I mean, they really could. And how would you dispute it, right? You wouldn't be able to dispute it. So it should be. You can't because everything's compartmentalized anyway. So it's not like they're going to even know. Right. It's just like they. It's just like the cartels work. It's just like the mafia works. You know, you're never going to hear direct from the boss. You know, you're, you're never going to get orders direct from the boss. The boss is never going to talk to you. That's, that's kind of what goes on with this whole thing, man. It really does. And they would have to admit that they're not very good at their job. I think it's, that's the fundamental problem with it. It's going, to, it's going to have to come from the other side or a group of defectors. But then again, you know, look at that. We did have a group of defectors, right? I mean, we do. We have this TTSA thing. Aren't they a group of defectors? You know? And I don't yeah. I would think if you polled 10 people who are serious into the subject, I would think five of them say would say that TTSA has some redeeming qualities. The other five would be like, I don't know, I don't trust it. You know, so it's 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 a problem. And you know, the other thing is, um, it doesn't help to have Lou Alizondo going on Fox News, um, looking like he's getting ready to that go. A mix between a flock of seagulls and Guy Ferrari. What is going on with him, man? Right, I don't like, know, man. If you want to be taken seriously, what is going on with that haircut, man? They like I don't know. you're in I don't the know. you're in the military, right? You were in the military. Do you see anybody ex-military walking around with the side of their head shaved? No, that is. I don't know, man. Honestly, when I looked at the clip. It was just really cringy, man. He looks uh, like a guy that's losing it, right? Like he's losing the battle. Yeah. I'm, I'm losing the battle. I'm becoming this fringe figure. I'm just like, it, it, 
once again, UFO, the UFO um, phenomenon is marginalizing somebody, right? He's becoming this controversial figure. He was thinking he was coming forward and being this whistleblower, and now he's becoming this fringe figure. And it doesn't help yeah, that he yeah. just keeps going on Fox because there's a lot of people in this country that don't see any redeeming value to Fox too, you know, and he just keeps appearing on Fox and really not saying a lot when it comes down yeah, to it. It's, it's bizarre, man. Um, I don't know. Just, I, I don't know what's going on with that guy. Right. I don't know if Tom and he left, right? on or what, but like, yeah, and he exactly. left, he left TTSA too, right? Yeah. I mean, he left. So, I don't know. It, it's I don't know. It's it's fun. It's fun to talk about. That's about it. It's sort of kind of like almost like a sport. It's almost like a sport at this point, right? Like it's almost like yeah. you know, all right, you know, let's let's root for our team, you know. And if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, maybe it'll happen next year. It's almost like watching somebody root for a horrible franchise, expecting disclosure to happen, you know. Like me rooting for the Flyers for fifty years, you know. It's like that. <laughs> It's sad. It really is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. But if something's coming. Well, I guess we'll have to disseminate it whenever it's put out to us. Yeah. But and I, I don't know. I think honestly, they're gonna really push it in the way of just looking at, looking at it as you know, foreign drones. Yeah. Did you Did you get a chance to do anything on those drones? Or did you look into that? Yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about it. You're talking about the kid. Um, we could talk about whatever you want to talk about. I, I was talking about the Navy drones, the drones. This is a recycled story I'm reading, right? I mean, this is basically drone swarms around Navy ship remain unidentified, according to top officer. I mean, this is just a recycled story, right? Um, it's basically the same thing that we already know about. But yeah, there was like I think, a, honestly, it's a Tic Tac, right? So, That's what this is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if it's the Tic Tac in this in this particular case, but okay. uh, it's it's so uh, there's not enough information. Oh wait, here we but go. It is re- here we go. Yeah. So what what it is is uh, got, I got it. You want me to read basically, it? Basically, um, you can if you want, but I I, I just okay. It's if we're I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Talk about the USS Kid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's not a recycled story. This is something brand new. Okay. Well, I mean, it happened back in July of last year. We're actually 2019. Right. But like the just news just broke. Now. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. But uh, I don't believe they were Tic Tacs. I think they were full-on drones. And they, that's what I'm saying. There's not enough information, so they don't quite describe what kind of drones they are, they, which is such a loose word, man, because we have so many variations of them. Yeah, I'm reading uh, between the military right. and civilian, you know, yeah, they like they're, they're not described as quadcopters; they're described as lights. So, I mean, it, it could be a small, it could be a prop UAV, a jet UAV, but they were described as moving like uh, left and right, up and down, like almost like a quadcopter would. You know what I mean? Right. But also, like we hear, we hear UFOs in a lot of descriptions. So, if you're describing it only as a light, uh, well, I don't know. Do you do you want to? Go over the story first. Yeah. I mean, I'll read it real quick here. Um, The destroyers involved were USS Kidd, USS Raphael Peralta, USS Russell, USS John Finn, 
and the USS Paul Hamilton. These are all destroyers. Uh, all yeah, the reported cruise ships as well, I think. Oh wow, really? Yeah. That's weird. All of the reported incidents took place relatively close to San Clemente Island, so it's got a it's got a geographical area, uh, which the Navy uses for live life fire testing. That's actually where my son was trained out there. According to the emails, details of the incidents made it up the chain of command all the way to the office of the chair of naval operations. It also included mentions of naval intelligence officers, the FBI, a special agent with the Naval Criminal Investigation Service, and the director of the Maritime Intelligence Operations Center within the Navy's third fleet. Difficult to explain. So this is on the drive. So basically they're saying nothing about what these are. As a matter of fact, this article doesn't even say that are lights. So your information that there are lights is, is even stuff that's not even in this article from the drive. So the fact that there are lights is cool. Um, and then this story is tied up with like a lot of, they're trying to make a connection here, this website that I'm looking at, to some of those pictures um, that are floating around, like the Batman picture. But it doesn't yeah. have anything to do with that. This is just drones in a geographical area near San Clemente Island. Yeah, so San Clemente, it's, it's, I've never been to California. I just know where it's at. And I think it's down actually by Mexico. San I think Diego, it's somewhere yep. between, yeah, I think it's somewhere right between Mexico and Anaheim, like maybe smack in the middle between Mexico and Anaheim. So it's, it's way south of, because two things went through my head. So the northwest coast, they do a lot of uh, military drone tests. Uh huh. And then you have more drone tests that happen over, uh, like right over the coast in Silicon Valley area, which is way north of San Clemente. So it's neither one of those two places, which I had to look on a map to see exactly where the hell San Clemente was. Right. But uh, it's it's near neither one of those. It's not near the military drone testing area, and it's not near uh, Silicon Valley where they're doing you know testing their drones and shit there. So, first of all, I thought that was strange, but it's near a huge military op area, <laughs> whether right. it's a drone testing area or not. Right. And uh, so w- what it is, basically, you had the destroyers out there, or at least three of them were, at least the uh, the Russell, and uh, it, I know for sure the Russell and the Kid are destroyers. The other two I'm not 100% sure of, and there's also that Carnival Cruise Liner, but... Uh, it seemed like over the course of three nights, they were basically getting buzzed by these drones. And I don't know how they weren't picking them up on radar because destroyers all have surface radar, surface and air radar. So I don't know how they would not see them. Right. That makes absolutely no sense to me. But apparently everything was uh, documented like via the deck log, which uh, for the non-Navy people out there, it's, it's literally like a handwritten log. You just basically document what's going on. And uh, it seemed like, I guess, six were following the boat at, like, its cruise speed. So I think they were going at least 20 knots. So not incredibly fast, but not slow either. I think my drone could keep up with that. But uh, it it seems bizarre that you would be that far off the coast and be able to fly drones out there unless you were testing something. Or my initial thought was – 
honestly was just uh, messing around. Yeah. So you have a lot of SF guys out there. Uh, the SEALs go out there and train, and they get tons of equipment to test. And I thought maybe they were just messing with, you know, the ship. Just as a, you know, as like a pretty much, you know, mischief ops, you know? Right, sure. But then I definitely seen where NCIS was involved. <laughs> right, so, it would, yeah, so they, at I'm some not point 100% they have, sure that's the case, you know? <laughs> right, they would have known at some point. They would have yeah, just asked those yeah. guys. Or they would have saw that they were out there. I'm sure they would, you know, be able to cross-reference and find out if they're out there. It is interesting that it's what, what throws a monkey wrench in this is that it is near San Clemente Island. So, you know, I know that, like you're saying, your, your drone only has a certain amount of range to it. Um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, commercial drones or, you know, like drones that are readily available to the public. Exactly. So now, if there's swarms military, of them. Military drones are completely different, man. We, I think was was weird is, I'm sorry, man. I cut you off there. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So, I guess what was the weird, strange standout thing at the time is that like they were in flight for over 90 minutes. I okay. mean, that it, in 2019, for a commercial drone or you know or over the counter drone that you just buy. As a civilian, uh, that's kind of unheard of. It, like those flight times are unheard of. You know, you, it, back in 2019, the max you're getting out of one battery is probably about 20 minutes. Right. So it seemed for 2019 that it's 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 hard to believe that that would be a civilian drone unless somebody had something seriously souped up, and it seemed like they were, you know, multiple drones at that. So because I guess uh, the kid documented at least six at once. What? Yeah, you were going to talk about the kid, and I cut you off. What, who is this kid? Oh, the kid, the USS kid. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were it's, talking about that's an the name of the kid. destroyer. <laughs> yeah. I should have I got that. Okay, yeah. yeah no, no, like Captain Kid, kid with two Ds. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Well, you know that that what that basically means is that it's either got to be military equipment of somebody's um, inventory. Probably not ours, yeah. or um, it would have to be some kind of underground base if it is involved with UFOs or underwater base. Yeah, which there's a lot of uh, talk a about lot of that spot, base lore in that area. Right, that's the you weirdest know? thing about it. So it kind of brings that whole angle into it, right? And then yeah, again, and I, I find it really strange that these weren't described as what type of drone they were described as. They weren't, they didn't say, you know, we had six quadcopters buzzing us. They said six, you know, drones that, you know, were basically lights. So that all seems strange to me. It also seems strange that it's coming out right now. You know, because if this happened in July 2019, it almost feels like it's, it not has a screen, but it almost feels like we're being conditioned for more shit that's going to come out. You know, it has to be in the report. I wouldn't be surprised if this entire thing is is not in the report that comes exactly. out exactly, and they're just doing you know? it a little bit early, right? Yeah, so I, it, it feels like conditioning, like it may have been leaked out there just ahead of time. But uh, I mean, the, the, it does sound kind of wild. So it happened to at least four of these destroyers, uh, like night after night for almost four days. They'd show up around the same time, and the only other vessel out there was that uh, Carnival 
ship, and you know they cleared it with them that it, absolutely nobody on that ship was flying drones around the shores. Right. So yeah. And I don't it, know. It is kind of. It is definitely bizarre. It would be great sure, to but, know uh, how long they hung out around the military uh, ships and how long they hung around the carnival ship. Like, if well, it just... sounds like they definitely had a documented time of at least ninety minutes. Wow. Which for our, for our military UAVs, no problem in twenty nineteen. But yeah. uh, I was wondering, civilian, if they... not so much. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe they just paused the carnival real quick and then said, oh, it's not a military ship. Let's get out of here. But that's yeah, interesting, man. Out, it really is. Once you're out so far, where they're at, like, it, you know, it's not the United States anymore. It's international waters. And there's, so you know what else, dude? Anybody's, you know? Yeah. And, it, you know, you got, you're, you're close to China there. You know, you're close to Russia. Um, you got, the other thing is, too, you got all those stories about a underground or underwater base out there all those stories and then all those years some of my favorite ones honestly yeah and in all those years that people have seen things off the coast from there you know and you just chalked it up to you know good california grass right you know and yeah (laughs) maybe it's not maybe it's maybe there really is something there yeah we're definitely being conditioned for something yeah, that's honestly just just it felt so strange that that was coming out when it came out. Yeah, that's the first and time why, like a why web. the hell didn't we hear about this back then? You know. Yeah, that's the first time like there's there's a web to this that ties in with UFO yeah. stuff. You know, so it is an interesting so, story. I I can almost I'd put a paycheck on it, man. This is going to be part of that report. Absolutely, absolutely. I'd put your paycheck on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 